You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hello there, Star Wars fans. Welcome to Flying Casual. This is our monthly hangout with our Patreon members, our 14th installment. Uh, Nettie reminded me we've been doing this over a year now. Uh, which is just crazy. I, I have no idea. I have no concept of time. Uh, I had no idea what episode we were on, but this is Council 14. Uh, we've got Brent, Scotty, Rob, Nettie, and Luke has joined us for this council session. A couple of our uh, Patreon members are out today, but uh, we've got a good group here going. Um, not much Star Wars news. To, well, there's a little bit. We'll get into a little speculation here. And I call it speculation because nothing's confirmed yet with some of these reports coming uh, in and out of Twitter or uh, LinkedIn or uh, Tumblr, wherever these, these rumors are coming out of. Um, but uh, we do have a couple topics to talk about today. Uh, no, it's not WandaVision. One is not WandaVision, <laughs> though. It's a very hot topic right now. I, I am enjoying it so much, and I, and I love what Marvel's doing. Um, but it does it, 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 it's, it's a cause for good conversation um, because we see Marvel has this really great model with their films and their television series. And obviously, being a Disney company, one may think that Star Wars may be following in those footsteps. We, we've seen them, I don't want to say abandoned films, but they've definitely put the films on the back burners and have just, you know, full-fledged just went for their television uh, series on Disney Plus, and, and, and they should. Uh, I mean, I think The Mandalorian is one of the most popular and, and, and uh, uh, successful TV series, uh, especially on a streaming platform. So why not? Why not profit off of that? Why not make more spinoffs, as we know we're getting with Ahsoka um, and other shows, Rangers of the New Public, all, all this stuff. So it's got Nettie thinking. Nettie, Nettie you're a big WandaVision fan, uh, maybe a little behind at this point. Am, am I right? Yeah, really enjoying it so far. Haven't caught that new episode yet, but going to watch it tomorrow with some friends. So, Well, Can't you can wait. safely watch, you know, stay in this conversation without it being spoiled. So it seems like they've, they've I mean, they have genius writers. They they also have, you know, source material that they, they make references from. Um, Scotty has kind of mentioned that earlier. You know, they don't necessarily follow the comics to a T, but they have a nice base source material that they inspire from and then often write original stories from that. Star Wars doesn't necessarily have anything like that. Um, they kind of, I mean, they do. They have older stories, right, that they'll sometimes pick and choose things from, Not, but not to the extent that Marvel does. So, it, Nettie, are, are you thinking that this is something that Star Wars is going to try to tap into, that we're going to get this whole expanded, that the EU is going to become Disney Plus? Like, maybe that is exactly what they're doing here, putting the EU kind of on film. Uh, you'll probably never see Ahsoka in a major motion picture, but uh, this kind of expanded universe could actually come to us to us via Disney Plus. Is that, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I was th- kind of thinking something along those lines. Primarily just, you know, everything they announced back on Investor Day. I mean, they announced, what, like 10-plus shows? So yeah. they definitely have a lot in the walks, and it definitely seems like we're kind of staying around the time period of the Skywalker saga, but kind of getting away from the Skywalkers themselves. So it definitely seems like they're kind of building it out here. So I didn't know if they were kind of taking some cues from that MCU storytelling. It kind of – I kind of saw as that, but – you mentioned we so full disclosure. Uh, us uh, council members have a shared Google Doc that we bounce ideas off of each other, and, and some of us are more. Uh, some of us contribute more than others. I often uh, do not because Mike's off the cuff. He he doesn't tend to put things to paper. It kind of just 
spits out of his mind in a non-coherent manner. But, Nettie, you mentioned that uh, there is some good and some bad of the MCU storytelling, and, and, and I'm wondering if maybe that's giving you some apprehension if Star Wars kind of is going to follow in those follow in their footsteps. What is some of that bad in the MCU that you think is kind of going on there? Yes, I, I think the problem that I was referring to primarily, the biggest con I see, is you get so much material then, and if you miss one of them, sometimes you can be completely out of it. Like, going to the MCU, um, I know my brother, he wasn't a huge fan, so, like, he saw Civil War before seeing Age of Ultron. Ooh. So, like, he had no idea who Vision was. Oh, so there's, there's damn. stuff like that in there that... Um, obviously Star Wars is doing a little bit of that now with like the Mandalorian, like the dog saber and all of that. But as we continue to grow, I just feel like that's gonna be a continue continual problem. And even the High Republic we were talking before we locked on that because there's, you know, novels and comic books and yeah. different age ranges of novels, sometimes it can be hard to keep up with. So it's one of those things that it's awesome we're getting so much material, but if it's all tied in so well, is it going to be a problem if we miss one? That's just kind of the con I see with it. Scotty, I think Nettie's bringing up a great point, and you as a, a connoisseur of information coming through from several you know, franchises, you, you like to digest a lot of that. It feels like Star Wars even has a bigger, you know, there's a bigger hurdle there in Star Wars because they flat out said when they purchased the property from George Lucas um, that, you know, the comics, the books, everything is going to the freaking uh, Vanity Fair articles or whatever. They're going to matter. Uh, so they've got it seems like an even a bigger hurdle. Is is this something that could that could hurt people? I mean, a lot of people didn't even know who Bo-Katan was in The Mandalorian. They're like, why should I care who this chick is? It feels really dramatic that she took her helmet off. I have no idea who the hell she is. Could this be a hurdle that, you know, maybe Star Wars is digging a little too deep? Well, that's the thing. Like, they either need to dig as deep as they can possibly go or don't try. Like, do your own new stuff because, uh, like, I mean, all these shows, even Andor, like, yeah, that show's got a lot to prove, I feel like. I saw an article. It's got 200 named uh, characters. Let's go. Like, yeah, and maybe they're all, like, kind of ancillary in the background stuff, but... If they're going to do that kind of stuff and that's what they're going to showcase as like, okay, this is what we're doing with the show and that's the stuff they're talking about, I'm excited. I hope that fans are going to like it. I don't know. It's really hard to say. There's already a whole sect of people that refuse to say um, Leslie Headland. They just referred to her as Harvey Weinstein's <laughs> former personal assistant. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, good luck with Acolyte. I don't know. Like, yeah. So, uh, Luke, oh, man, I hope so. Luke, you, you you also can consume a lot of source material in a short amount of time. I'm talking books and comics, but I feel like even for us, uh, this 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 High Republic series just started, and I feel like I'm already overwhelmed and a little bummed out that I'm so behind. Yeah, I'm a little slower reader than your average, probably eighth grader, but I, I just feel like there's so much coming at me at once. Phrasing. Um, but are you feeling that way as well? I'll take it in stride. I got. I got to say a, a hello, boys, to everybody. Uh, this I evening. still need to you clip know, that out. The uh, I got to say the force is really strong with me. You know, I've been away from the council for a while, mm. out wrangling Gundarks and whatnot. And amen. You know, I was called back to the council just to discuss 
a comparison of the MCU strategy to Star Wars uh, because I'm so well versed <laughs> in the MCU. You know, I got it all down. You know, that classic mistake Nitty was talking about. You know, Luke is lucky I Civil didn't throw the first question to him. I feel like I would have been the Civil War before the Vision. You can't. You got to watch Vision first. So. You have to. You got to see Vision first. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm clearly an expert here. But, no, Star Wars, I can talk about Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, the amount of material hasn't hasn't phased me yet. When you see that that uh, the the investor presentation with all the shows, it was like, holy hell, that's a yeah. lot. And, and there's, like, all this this fear of, of, like, Star Wars fatigue because we got this idea that when Solo came out within six months of The Last Jedi, everyone just said, it was too much, too fast. Yeah. I think there was a lot more going on than that. And so I, I don't think there there's much to fear there. A lot of these series are going to be more limited. Like the old school television model in yeah. the U.S. was like 25 episode seasons. And that's just not the way that things were done on premium cable or when you got into like all the AMC shows that were huge. It's like 10 to 12 episode seasons. Yeah. So that lasts like two to three months at a time. So you can run um, – three shows a year or something like that uh, and not overlap them. The books, the, the books are coming thick and fast there too, though. And that's where I think you either want to keep up with it and you devote the time to do that. Or you just you say, I'll pick and choose a few here and there. Yeah. The ones that really grab me. And I don't think you're going to be hurt that much um, in your, your viewing experience by, by taking that approach with all the, the novel material. Yeah, or, you know, the day a novel releases or an embargo is lifted, just go on YouTube and there's 50,000, you know, reviews of it already somehow uh, of the book. You don't even have to read it nowadays. People just break it down for you. Uh, Brent, how, how much is too much, man? I, I feel like, especially, it's, I don't know about you guys, it's a recession here in the Canterbury household still. It's hard to get a hold of all this stuff, uh, all this publishing, and, 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 you know, Disney Plus ain't, you know, ain't the cheapest thing ever, but... Is it too much? I, I mean, are are us sweaties just gonna, you know, be the only ones who can enjoy Star Wars because casuals just can't keep up with it? No, I think it'll be fine. I mean, if you're just talking about the casuals watching, you know, on the TV shows, that'll, you know, they're gonna tie all that together in a way that you don't have to know all the other stuff that's going on. I think that'll be fine. Um, I, the the High Republic stuff, I just think it's just gonna be tough keeping them straight, so you read them in the proper order. Yeah, is you know because right now like, you know we were talking earlier. There's I think there's four books currently. There's the main novel and three young adulty kid type novels that have released in the last two months. And it's like, you know, which one do I need to read next? Just so you know, there are kid novels that may not be anything you know yeah. groundbreaking in there or whatnot. But I don't want to be you know have a little spoiler thrown in because I read one story that I should have read first. You know, I read that one second or vice versa. Yeah, but uh, you know, other than that, it's going to be great, and I have no no problems with it whatsoever. It's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, and then that High Republic series, we also got, I think they're on their third issue of their, their main comic line now, too. So it's like, I bought the first comic not understanding the order I started reading. I was like, this makes no sense. And they're like, well, you got to read Light of the Jedi first. And I'm like, Jesus, okay, I guess I'll <laughs> stop yelling at me. I guess I'll do it. I'll put this aside and I'll pick it back up later. Uh, Rob, how about you, man? Is I mean, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say that this isn't too much Star Wars for you. Am I right? No, this isn't... 
too much Star Wars. There just isn't enough. But we see what Disney is doing. Disney's giving us content. Finally, somebody's going to give us content of what we want to know, which is the backstory. And I'm happy. Uh, like a lot of you have to be also happy too, because them announcing that many shows means that that's many. That's that many books and comics we don't have to go buy and read as well. Yeah. So. We're able to consume that, and the average person is able to consume that. Uh, go back to the Mandalorian, and when we were ta- uh, we were talking earlier about Bo-Katan, or you were, and taking the helmet off, and people not knowing who that is, one that'll also get them to go back and watch the, you know, you know, uh, the Clone Wars, but also it introduces her into the Mandalorian. So even if they don't go do that, they'll still stay up to par with who she is going through that. Now, we've all said this for a long time, that we have a lot, we're getting a lot of content. We know maybe the average person cannot keep up. Maybe the average person has, you know, a lot of other stuff to do, games to play, because, you know, we're going to get that Fallen Order 2, which is not forgetting about that. We're getting a game that has another storyline that's going to further Siri and Cal as well. So we've talked about this stuff, but to bring it all in and to watch it and to be able to take it in that's that's probably the greatest thing that we've always ever wanted we don't care that we don't get Avaloth I just want more explanation to what Disney wants to create as their EU and if this is their EU and going through the High Republic and learning about all that and then going forward from there and then getting all these shows if this is their EU what do we got to lose, boys? Let's bring the pain, dudes. Bring, let's, let's watch it all. Bring the Ross pain. And, and, I think everyone finish your beer. Everyone, you got that. With the, <laughs> we have a drinking game here on Flying Casual. And uh, I think it's, is it just take a sip or is it finish the beverage? No, no. I, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said finish it and it's finished. But uh, I got to agree, man. Spit it out, man. Guys, this is what we want. If people can't keep up. That's all right. They can listen to this podcast and get caught up from us, right? That's fair. And, and Rob, I wouldn't lose hope. I, I, from what I'm hearing, you guys know me. I'm a bit of a scoops guy. I got a lot of inside. You know, I feel like I'm the only podcaster that doesn't, you know, kind of tout that uh, that that uh, that little nugget. But I got a lot of inside information on Lucasfilm, and I'm I'm seeing Abeloth of Star Wars story is something that they're messing with here. So we'll, I don't hold me to it. You know, hey. But uh, we'll, we'll see. It's not Lucasfilm confirmed, but uh, uh, but it, it's it's crazy because I feel like whatever's going to happen, Star Wars fans are going to bitch. I feel like they're the hardest people to please. In the '90s, when there wasn't much content, they called them they call it the dark times, right? Not enough Star Wars content. Then you get the Timothy Zahn thing, and the people are just. I mean, it's a great series, but people just treat it like it's the Holy Trinity or something. Just like. It's fine. It's it's a great story, but uh, that was what they had at the time, and and so it means that much to them now. And and anything far from that, it's like that's not that's not my Star Wars. So, it, it, now we're getting a lot, and people may be complaining about that as well. But uh, you won't find me complaining. I'm enjoying it. It's just difficult for me to keep up with some of the novels because it's just hey, it's life. Someone has to tile the shower. It ain't tiling itself. Uh, so I guess I could you know have Holly read the novel to me while I tile. I don't know how. You know, how would she help out? We'll see. Um, so, yeah, what I mean, I actually got duped the other day on Twitter. I, I, 
Full disclosure again, guys. I feel like I have to say I'm not really good with Twitter. I really don't understand how it works. I don't know how to stand people. I don't know what it means to retweet, but I got duped. Um, some account made their name look like Star Wars, even had a check mark, had the Star Wars logo, and they tweeted out that Padme Amidala and the Handmaidens were getting a show on Disney+. And I freaked out. I was like, Holly, check this out. I showed her. She's like, what? And I retweeted that son of a bitch. Well, I don't know what caused some – something felt unsettled in the force. And I thought, oh, oh my God. God, I'm one of those people that just doesn't really, you know, do their due diligence and check into these things. And I just retweeted that shit. Like 30,000 other people had too. And I went back onto our Twitter profile. I think that's what it was. And uh, saw that the name had changed, what I had retweeted in the picture. And every, someone, dude, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. So you got to be careful. Uh, because I was all, I was like, wait a second. That has huge implications. Is Natalie Portman coming back? For I, I had a whole conversation ready for a podcast. Thank God I went back and checked those sources and then it was totally made up and fabricated. So you got to be careful. Because it seems like, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of shows coming out. Um, but, you know. I guess not a, a Padme one, but there is a trilogy of books. Check them out. They're great. Um, I'm going to bow out of here, you guys. You guys have yourself a nice evening. I may oh. jump back in later if I get a chance. All right, Brett. Sounds good. Phrasing. Thanks. See you, buddy. Uh, Nettie, speaking of the future of Star Wars, so, you know, we, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, we'll have some good storytelling and, and everything will just make sense and, and it'll work just kind of like that. That uh, that MCU is doing there on Disney Plus, and even I guess their Netflix stuff too. I didn't get a ton of that Netflix material, um, like Luke Cage and things like that. I think it was decent storytelling. It just um, and it was somewhat accessible. I mean, it was on Netflix, but it just doesn't didn't seem to hit like this new stuff is now on Disney Plus. Um, but speaking of the future, uh, <laughs> you also mentioned in our shared document uh, the Broom Boy. I, 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 I feel your pain on this one. I feel like the broom boy isn't getting enough recognition here. We were kind of led to believe that maybe there'd be this new order of Jedi and we really didn't see anything about that in, in the rise of Skywalker. Uh, so I got to ask you what, what, what brings that thought up? Like, I mean, are you, are you hoping for an episode 10, you know, in the future? Like what, where, where's that coming from? It's a, I think it was just a thought in the back of my head at one point that, um, you know, th that threat never really went anywhere because I'm glad Luke showed up tonight since that way I won't be the only one just gushing about The Last Jedi, maybe. <laughs> uh, see, like I've said, that's one of my favorite movies, probably my favorite of the new trilogy. And I was just thinking about it at one point, and then that scene just popped into my head, and I'm like, that didn't go anywhere. And I didn't necessarily expect it to in, you know, Rise, especially with a different director. Yeah. Um, but it just made me think of is it going to go somewhere at some point? And um, I was actually, I just remembered during that last segment that I think there was a recent like interview with Ryan Johnson mm. where either he implied or like he dropped some hints that maybe his Star Wars trilogy is still on. He's Let's just go. been really busy. I'm still taking that with a grain of salt because, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up. But Don't I really retweet that true. just yet. Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, do, do your due diligence. <laughs> exactly. If he was smart... But before they made that announcement, he was like, where's the contract? I want you to sign it. I'm going <laughs> to sign it. I want two copies. No, wait, I want ten copies. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, yeah, sign the contract. Wait. Send it five from now. It, I don't care. Scotty, is that something you want to see? Do you want to see a, a Ryan Johnson trilogy? 
Hell yes. Right? Hell yes. Like, whatever. It may Last be the Knives Out 2 that we all want. I, I that they, He may just be all kind of screwing us over. He's like, you know what? You wanted Knives Out 2? Well, it's actually in a Star Wars universe. I'm down. Give me some yeah. clue kind of, you know, problem solve kind of movie in Star Wars. I mean, I still be down with that. Dude, say what you will about the sequel trilogy. Less than 50 to 25. I'll go less than 20% of that was Ryan Johnson's exactly. damn fault, man. Yeah. Like, the dude can good movie and if he had rain on writing a full trilogy of movies i'm okay with that yeah yeah he, he's a great writer and you're right i think a lot of the, a lot of the setup was handed to him like right like the luke on Oc 2 which don't forget that was also almost the exact same scenario uh that george lucas was putting uh, luke skywalker on kind of really down in the dumps isolating himself on an island it was the same thing um, and Ryan kind of picked it up from there. And, and, and I mean, there's a whole discussion about like that and, and on these creators when they go in there and it's like, yeah, okay. Movie two, here's what he did. Here's where we want you to go. Now write something. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Good luck. Good yeah. Luck. There's a lot, there's a lot that could be said on that. And I'm sure a lot of it has, but Rob, I, I don't hear you gush about Ryan Johnson much. Would you, would you pay for a Ryan Johnson trilogy? Look. I'm going to pay for a trilogy, whoever makes it, man. They can make us. We can do that trilogy. And people are going to go line up and go to that theater. They're going to buy D-Box. They're going to go to IMAX. And they're going to watch it because there's no way out, man. We're going to do it. But I'm all in for a Ryan Johnson trilogy. It's probably not going to happen. I don't see it happening. But whatever we get going forward, I just want it. When we go back, okay, so... We just talked about Luke on Octu. So my problem with Luke on Octu is, of course, because of my EU knowledge and knowing Grandmaster Luke. But I separate the movies. I separate what Disney has done and what has already been written in the book because I need to. I want to because I want to enjoy that, and I want to enjoy this as well. I want to take it all in. So when we go back to... Luke on R2, it's more of like a calm Jedi. So the Jedi really don't get so powerful, at least after the original trilogy sequels and all that stuff. They're not really powerful. They're kind of there to just meditate. And then Ray kind of took it to another level. Because Jedi's normally wouldn't shoot electric out of their hands, and she's done that. So going forward, what we could get from Ray would be it would, it would be amazing, and if he wrote it or anybody wrote it, I want to see it because this point going forward, they've got it all in their hands, and that's why I said one day she's going to get old. She's probably going to pass the torch. It's always a pass the torch with the, like the Disney slash George Lucas kind of thing, whereas in the books they just want to write up this – badass like person that either it be Luke or it be Jada Solo or it be this or that Mara Jade there's a whole Mara Jade click like there's people that think Mara Jade was the baddest thing since sliced bread well sliced bread with a lightsaber and that's what I'm saying is what you take is is they make it more 
personal. Luke took it personally what happened with his nephew, Ben. Mm-hmm. He took it and he left. He didn't just go out and become this huge super Jedi and then eventually turn his back to fighting Darth Titus and leave it to Jaina. Sorry for the mm-hmm. spoilers, people. He took it a different way. And that's what makes, I think, movies and where Disney has always been with their writing going forward the better story you can't have overpowered people you have to have them relate to the people that are watching well i think i think that's a a lot of good stuff there robin and and when you're talking about the the you know the legacy of the force series and the fate of the jedi series like luke didn't confront kytus like he just did it like you know you could say all you want this grand master he didn't go and put down evil like he did it Right, he's off with his son doing other missions and stuff, and yeah. and the the growth that I I mean it's been a long time since I've read that series, but the growth I remember is 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 Luke just kind of like letting his son grow up into a man, and him letting go was kind of his growth in that whole series. And I'm sure there's more that I'm missing, and people will shit all over me for it, but it's like the they the sequel yeah. trilogy is just kind of taking that in a different direction, and that you know. Luke tried to confront this darkness and he failed and 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 there's just there's there's different there's different there's a different story there to be told so they're they're way more similar than people give him credit for it's just a different take on things uh yeah. but, but Luke what I'm hearing Rob say is that in a sequel trilogy written by Ryan Johnson he would want to see Rey's Jedi Temple and Rey teaching you know force lightning one on one or 101 to the to the to the the new Jedi there the new Padawans uh so I mean I mean it, we don't talk about post episode. I mean, maybe we have a, uh, a little bit, but is we don't talk about Ryan Johnson much either on the podcast, but is, is this a possibility? Is this just something that Disney hasn't, hasn't given Ryan Johnson a heads up and said, Hey, you know, that thing we talked about five years ago, it's not happening anymore. Are they just kind of dangling it out there? Cause they don't want to, you know, make things too problematic for them at this time. It just kind of people, you know, we'll just kind of move away from it. We don't even have to really say anything. Is that what's going on? Or is there a real possibility that he could get a trilogy and it may just be 2028 or something like that. We just have to wait. Yeah. I have some thoughts on this. I'm still a little stuck on, uh, on Rob's, uh, a sliced bread analogy. I think if you slice bread <laughs> with a, a lightsaber, you yeah. toast it at True. the same time you're slicing it. So it's very efficient. For breakfast, true. Um, <laughs> it depends on what kind of bread you're dealing with, right? Maybe you got if you got like a nice a white or something. Yeah, it might toast, toast up a little easier than yeah, a twelve grain or something. Pumpernickel or a pumpernickel, yeah. <laughs> with uh, with uh, with Ryan Johnson, yeah, he certainly seems to think, based off his comments, that he's still in line. And like like uh, Scotty was saying, like contract wise, there's a contract out there somewhere yeah. that says something about Ryan Johnson. I think with any of these contracts from these studios, um, Disney Lucasfilm probably always have an out that they can just walk away. I'm assuming is the way that the lawyers write these up. Yeah. Um, so he could have a thousand page contract and they could still probably cancel his movie. I, I would think, yeah. Yeah. unfortunately, but right. if you think back, um, Kathy, as long as Kathy Kennedy is at Lucasfilm, I think, uh, Ryan Johnson has a, a very, better than 50% chance of making a movie, if not more than one movie. Um, She gushed about working with him on like any other director that's done any Star Wars movie since Disney took over. Yeah. Um, So I I think it's, it's still alive as long as she's there. If she's not there, maybe that 
that changes, but it seems like the time horizon is, is at least towards the end of this decade that, that anything like that would happen because they're talking about um, maybe Rogue Squadron in, in 23, I think, yeah. 2023, and then Taika Waititi, I think, is supposed to be 2025 as far as theatrical releases go. Um, so it would be like 2027 at the earliest, which would be a decade after Last Jedi, which kind of give it some time for the the wound that what that created amongst a lot of fans to maybe heal a little bit yeah. and, and and reintroduce them into the fandom in a, in a way that would maybe be less uh, less volatile. But I want to what did what I miss? What Nettie said was a, an, a scene from Last Jedi that wasn't picked up on on Rise of Skywalker, and I, I've been a uh, broom boy. Oh, broom boy. There's a lot of hope there with him holding that broom shaft. It could have been a laser sword. Yeah, for me that was like that that was more metaphorical like um not not that I, I would love to see broom boy's story picked up on and continued, but it was like representing that the force is accessible to more than just a select few and that the awakening that happened in the Force Awakens um was more than an awakening awakening in Ray. And, and that there, there's others out there who the force calls to and, and can hear its call and, and answer. Um, to, so that's what, what, what broom boy represented to me. It was Ryan trying to say like, th- this goes beyond this, the people that you see in this n- story that make up kind of the nuclear, uh, actors of this story. Um, it, it's really about you know, the broader galaxies, which he, I think he was trying to say with broom boy. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that was one of, you know, a lot of a lot of us. It was our favorite part of the of the entire Last Jedi story is that, that you know the Force is you know it, it's in, it's in all of us, and it, you know when the, the time is needed, you know any of us could step up and 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 rise to the occasion. I think that was the beauty of the story, and you can say all you want about you know JJ or whoever not kind of taking a dump on that idea with the Rise of Skywalker. That's kind of what happened. If you want to tie and make Rhea Palpatine, I, I just. Man, I really liked when she was just, you know, I'm this vessel. I, 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 I am good. I am hope, and, and you can be too. And when you make her a Palpatine, I get there's a storyline there and her rejecting evil and her hair. I get it. I totally understand. But to me, it's way more powerful in the direction we were going with Ryan Johnson. So you're right. That, that it was what a hopeful moment. <laughs> and we're just like, wow, okay, where does this go now? Um, and then we got what we got with Rise of Skywalker. I love the movie. There's a lot of good stuff there. But yeah, I think I think Broom Boy it really he really meant a lot to all of us. We we saw him for two seconds on screen, but it was it was this hope for you know what the Jedi could look like in the future. Um, it may be a diverse cast of of you know whoever. Um, and that's just this just isn't what we got. Um, gosh, yeah. Now you guys, yeah, talking about the movies and stuff that are coming out and I was just kind of looking up because I forgot like kind of what they all were I do find it interesting that uh, Taika Waititi's doing one of them Kevin Feige's doing another one and then this guy uh, J.D. Dillard is doing one and he's best known for the film Slight but um, the guy that is helping write it I guess is also involved with with, uh, Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So now you have Star Wars movies where you have all these guys from the MCU already working on it. I'm going to just shoot a long shot out there and say that they're the ones that are going to be trying to build, like, further in the further out into the timeline, not yeah. go back. Like, I feel like they're going to be the ones 
maybe because Ryan jo- uh, because uh, Ryan Johnson also claimed he wanted to like he thought it'd be cool to do like the beginning of it all like yep. how we started so let him do some craziness with that you know recreate your canon kind of but uh, yeah I think the MCU people coming on board are trying to help him build out further into the future well what they're gonna do get give <laughs> give them Taika give them these that's cool. Um, do the, do the, do the, uh, Rogue Squadron movie. That's awesome. Around 2030, you're going to see a trailer and you're going to see, I don't know, Darth Malgus or somebody's going to show up to be very brief and it's going to say a Ryan Johnson film. They're going to have Ryan Johnson probably write a story and maybe bring Kevin Feige or somebody in to help kind of. Build a build a world, you know, an old republic world that differs slightly from what we know. But I think, I think they're going to try to go big and win a bunch of fans back that are fans of that material and that you know don't accept the sequels for what they are. I think they're going to try to do that. I, I I don't think anyone would not be excited for something like that just to see a, a tidbit of a, an old republic tease and it's Ryan Johnson writing it. Um, with some, you know, I don't think Ryan Johnson builds worlds. I don't think that's what he does. He's not, he's not, he's not a Kevin Feige. He's not, he writes a great story and he's a great director. Um, I just don't know if he's a world builder. I think he's going to need help when tying things in, but he writes a hell of a story. Um, so I, I think that would, what do you guys think? Is that something that's possible? You know, do, that's kind of a risk, I think, but what a way to try to welcome him back. Because like Luke said, I think we, we, we don't value enough the, the relationship that he has with Disney and that you heard nothing. Remember when we were all bitching about Rogue One and all the reshoots? You got to bring in this director, and then J.J. was having problems, and it seemed like Star Wars was going down the shitter. And then Ryan Johnson, you don't hear anything. You just hear Kathleen Kennedy say, things are freaking, this guy is amazing. Uh, that was the celebration we were at. He was just, he was just like a god to everybody there. Like this is a, everyone loved working with him so much. So I don't think we value that relationship that he has with them enough, and that a lot of people enjoyed what he did. It made it the, the movie he made made a shit ton of money. Like they're gonna, it feels like they're gonna continue that relationship on and give him something that you may think is safe, but it's a, it's a bold choice to me. Uh, what, what do you think, Nettie? Is that something you would you'd sign up for? Oh, I would definitely sign up for it. Say, yeah, say, kind of like what Vlad was saying. I'd probably be down to see whatever he wanted to write. But um, I think the Old Republic would be a really interesting thing for him to tackle, just because I'm not as familiar with, with that as some fans are. But from what I do know, it's just an it's a fascinating story, and like the character of Revan is one of the most most mm-hmm. like in depth characters. And I know like he spanned video games, books, all of that. Like I think having a good writer like Ryan Johnson bring him back in could be really cool. My biggest worry about that is because everybody's so salty about Ryan's walk with The Last Jedi. If they announce that he's going to be walking on something that's so beloved as oh, yeah. The Old Republic, it's not going <laughs> to... It's probably going to get some backlash, <laughs> but at the same time, it's Star Wars fans. You get backlash no matter what. Great point. So I'm like, don't let that keep them from doing it. It's my opinion. Yeah, I think that's you're right. There's going to be people who say you how you better not ruin this or I cannot. You're right. That's going to happen. And and so 
it, it's too bad. It's too bad too. I, I, I really hope Star Wars doesn't get to a point where, uh, you know, people don't want to actually, you know, work for the company. I, I feel like that would be terrible. It, it, it I guess with, with, uh, uh, Favreau and Filoni, which everyone thinks they pretty much run Star Wars now. I don't really understand that. They made one television show. Um, obviously, Filoni's been involved more in Clone Wars and, and, and Rebels, but um, I, yeah, don't let's, let's not pigeonhole ourselves to two creators here. There's there's definitely more creators out there, and we want them. We want fresh blood. We want fresh storytelling in Star Wars. Um, it just always isn't received well, and that's understandable. But there's a lot of people out there that do. Um, they, they enjoy it. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm down for Ryan Johnson being in Star Wars. I hope it's true. Um, haters can hate if they want, but what are you going to do? Um, so we did, I think, Nettie, you mentioned that Daisy Ridley. Did you mention that Daisy? No, you mentioned Ryan Johnson. So recently, Daisy Ridley did an interview for her new movie, uh, Chaos Walking, uh, with Tom Holland, which looks fantastic. Um, it's nice to see that she's getting some more work now. It's awesome. Um, she, you know, mentioned that she's always going to get asked this question. I feel until she's 70 years old, she's going to be asked, you ever going to play Ray again? Um, so people continue to ask her when she does interviews that are even non star Wars products. Um, and she says, you know, I'm not opposed to ever revisiting the character, which is quite different, uh, from what we heard from her in her last interview for her last film. Um, which there's some hope there, I guess, then, right? I mean, you bring her back, you bring Finn back. Uh, maybe we go on an epic adventure uh, like we did in the Lego holiday movie. I don't know, something like that. Uh, but I think we'd all be excited if, if they kind of continued that story. And maybe maybe Ray will be te- teaching uh, uh, Force Lightning to our younglings and how to control it, how to balance themselves. I'd be down for it. I would be down for it. Um, another another uh, scoop. Um, not mine, unfortunately. Um, but apparently, uh, Luke, I don't know if you knew this, but Aladdin is coming into the Star Wars universe. I actually don't know if this is true or not. I don't know if this kid played Aladdin. Uh, but apparently Aladdin himself, I don't even know the gentleman's name. Do you guys know this gentleman's name? I'm terrible at um, pronunciations, but it's Mina is his first name. Okay. I'm not going to try that. Hey, well, we'll call him Aladdin. Uh, because I have no idea who this person is. You guys brought it up before we went, and, and apparently we have Ezra Bridger cast. I, I, Luke, are you familiar with this actor? I am, I am. The uh, The live-action Aladdin uh, film is a big hit with my son over the past year or so. We've watched it several times. Um, he really digs, digs the genie, digs Will Smith as the genie in that one. Uh, so we uh, we listen to the songs. When we're not watching the movie, and we've watched the movie plenty of times, so yeah, that that's um, that's an interesting rumor. I mean, Ezra's been rumored, yeah, ever since. Oh yeah, the Mandalorian got going as as somebody oh, yeah. who could come into the Disney Plus world of Star Wars. So uh, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, Filoni basically gave it away in that Ahsoka episode of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, she's hunting Thrawn, and when's the last time we saw Thrawn? Going to to Pergleville That's right. with Ezra in a Star Destroyer. <laughs> oh. So it's it seems to me like yeah, there ha- Ezra has to show up in that Ahsoka series. Sabine has to show up in that Ahsoka series. Uh, so it's not a surprise to me that that Ezra is going to show up. The the biggest surprise would be yeah, who do they cast 
to play him. And sure, that that guy needed to find job as a lad, and I've never seen him in anything else. I don't I don't know what else yeah. he's done. What was um, the, yeah. What was the first Star Wars project after Rebels? It doesn't matter. Everybody was like, yo, is Ezra going to be in that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Resistance? Is he going to be in Resistance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, weren't there people who wanted him to, sh- to end up showing up in the sequel yeah. trilogy? A lot of people Absolutely. talked about that. Well, I thought yeah, DJ yeah. Was, was an old, you know, scotch-drinking Ezra Bridger. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, you know, promoting a Dos Equis commercial. I don't, I don't know. That, that I really did enjoy that promotional material. He totally looked like he was advertising a, an alcoholic beverage. But aside from that, so I, I have no idea who this actor is. I, I'm i going to be frank with you guys. Full disclosure, once again, I had no idea the Aladdin movie actually could come out. The last I heard about the Aladdin movie was the controversy of Will Smith's face looking too much like Will Smith as the genie. Like, that's the last thing I heard about the Aladdin movie. And then all of a sudden, I hear this supposed scoop coming from some Star Wars podcasters. Who knows if it's true or not? And I was like, that movie came out? I had no idea that this was a thing. Uh, Rob, are you familiar with this actor? Or I mean, could you know if we throw some blue contacts in him, could he be a hell of an Ezra Bridger? You might be muted. Cheers. <laughs> or maybe not. His mic just might have went out. It's so glowing on the end. <laughs> we lost Rob. We need tech. How about... There you go. Oh, we got, you got me now? Yep. All right. Look, I loved the Aladdin movie. A lot of people did not like the remake because of the original creating such a magical moment. And it Magical because there was a magic different. carpet? Or was there other magic that I was missing? It was, to me, the newer movie focused more on Jasmine. Whereas the older movie, of course, focused more on Aladdin and his growth as a character. That's why they did two and three as well, because Aladdin had to go through, had to be brought back down, they had to return to Jafar, and then Aladdin eventually had to meet his father to understand who he was before he finally, finally married Jasmine. But the movie itself was more based on Jasmine and her character being strong and always standing in the way. So he would be totally good. And a lot of people hate the fact that Mulan completely changed everything from the original. But for me, I loved Mulan as well because Mulan, to me, was what I've always adored, which was Mandarin films. Mandarin films are made to be that way. You're made to see someone erratically fall from a roof, do a cool kickoff of a thing that may be hanging, or slide down and do a backflip and land and catch bowls and do things. It's the most insane stuff that we ever could see. And that, I think, opens up and is another reason of where Disney is going, because Disney is going down this character path, as I brought up a minute ago and I wanted to throw back to the sweeper boy and Cal have similar roles they have similar roles and I want to see those roles meet because I think Cal is completely more like Luke like he doesn't care but he's also like Quinlan Boss where he has that ability to relive the items and where that item has been as well so I wanted to throw that in there to get your guys' heads going because it, to me the sweeper boy and 
whatever happens in Fallen Order 2 coming out with Cal, if he goes forward, that's another Jedi that has special skills and can become more. But flipping it back to what we were talking about, and, you know, Aladdin playing Ezra Bridger with Blue Dude, he's got it all. He's got the charisma. I love his little smirks, too. If you've never seen it, too, when he did a few of the things, he did little smirks and things. And I think that that plays into Ezra's character as well, because Ezra always had that comeback. Yeah. Ezra always kind of questioned things, right? Yeah, he did. Right. So, yeah. so Nettie, have you seen the Aladdin film? I have not seen the remake, which is really surprising to me since... The original is one of my favorite Disney animated movies, and Deep Cut for you, I was actually in a production of Aladdin at one point, like Eddie. a stage play. So I don't know why I haven't seen the live action yet, but... Uh. Let's go! That's a live audience applause. What, what, what did you play in the Aladdin production? I don't even remember. They were the bit parts. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm envisioning Nettie as one of the guards of the guards. I was a guard at one point. Let's I was one of them. Go. I did a couple background characters. One of them was a guard. So. That's amazing. So I can't go to you on the. I uh, can I go to you on the Aladdin connection here with this with this actor. It's, uh, I was just looking at his his IMDb page, and I don't know if I've seen anything that he's been in, but I mean, I'm all down for giving him a shot, and I mean. Ezra's basically Star Wars Aladdin when you first meet him, like he's that yeah. street kid stealing to survive and all of that. So it'd be kind point. of a similar role. So I think he could I think he could definitely do it. That's a great point. I actually forgot the entire premise behind Aladdin. Uh it's been a long time since I've seen that film. I'm pretty sure I only have it on those, you know, classic VHSs with the plastic, you know, cover that you could barely open up. Uh, I'll have to go retrieve that and pop it in the system. That's what makes Aladdin like the best movie ever. He's a diamond in the rough, man. Amen. He's the freaking king of... He comes from the dirt. He comes from and he becomes the most powerful. Maybe that's why they're holding Ezra from us. Maybe. Because whatever he did with Thrawn and going into the Void, where, of course, this is the only... At that time, when that was brought out, that was, like, one of the only glimpses Disney has ever did to something being a world between worlds uh-huh. and having, like, this whole Shadows Lake thing going on. That was their link. That was their link, but they threw in time travel as well, too, or more so because the way he saved Ahsoka as well. Spoiler for people that it's too late for that. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in to jolt people. Well, I, I love the connections you're making. and If this kid has, you know, kind of a, you know, I don't, maybe not a darker side, but we obviously see that from Ezra Bridger. But if you're telling me he's got that kind of like smirk down and he's got some swag, I can see that. I don't think he has blue eyes. Hey, we can change that nowadays. That's cool. Um, so I'm down. You know what? Give this kid a shot. And you guys reminded me of the entire premise behind Aladdin. And it sounds like it's right up his alley. So if it was believable, you know, I'll freaking watch it. Um, but you guys are talking about Thrawn. We haven't talked about Thrawn in a long time. With everything that's happened with Thrawn, and I don't know if you guys have read the, the newest um, Chaos Rising from Timothy Zahn, but with Thrawn, I'm trying to think what his role is going to be if he does show up in an Ahsoka show. Is he still going to be this big bad villain that we, you know, we've only really known him? 
from, or is is he going to be a changed man? Is, is could he be fighting alongside good Scotty? What the hell is Thrawn's? What's he? Where's he at now? Hard to say because uh, the Purgles only had a hold of one ship, correct? Ooh, like, I don't know. All left as like a um, a herd, for lack of a better word. Uh, Thrawn's pretty much on his own, and we don't really know where they're even going, which is very cool because Fabro and Filoni, whoever picked that up, like they they're going to pinpoint like the perfect exiting point. Uh, I hope that like I don't know, maybe we'll get like one. <clears throat> so, for instance, like Wandavision, you know, they've gone through all these um, episodes, and yeah. there is an episode that's going to be eventually showing a flashback. I hope that we build, like, the Ahsoka sh- show on the slow burn, and then, like, maybe second to the last episode, it just opens up with, like, the purgles just, poof, and yeah. then we're, like, on the other end of it. And, like, just give me that whole episode of what happened immediate. Like, they have to do that. Yeah. Like, give us that scene immediately afterwards. Ezra's there holding Thrawn, a couple of stormtroopers. Like, it, that would be cool. It could. Luke, I... I have a feeling that Thrawn may have come to his senses, and I think Ezra Bridger and his fascination with Ezra Bridger may have been a part of that. I feel like we could actually probably dedicate an entire first season of an Ahsoka show to looking for Thrawn. Just look, just simply looking for him, like the Mandalorian. Everyone loved the freaking show, and seventy five percent of the time, Mandalorian's just walking through the desert. Like, let's be honest. I, I love the freaking show, but let's be honest, that's a lot of it. We're flying, you know, getting his, his ship fixed, so she could simply just be looking for him. And I sense a a, a season finale confrontation, and he just says, "You, you're sadly mistaken," and and maybe she goes to confront him, and Ezra. Bridger intervenes and says, no, you don't understand. We need him. Or maybe there's something, there's something else there. Maybe even Ezra's a little different. What, what are you, what are you wanting from Ezra for, from Thrawn? I should say, what are you expecting from Thrawn? If we even see him in this Ahsoka show. Uh, This is both a a really simple, straightforward question and a, a hugely complex question at the same time. If I go strictly off what's been on screen uh, in Rebels um, and even in, in Mandalorian Season 2 when he's he's brought up again, you have to think just like pure bad guy, you know, in yeah. um, pure nemesis. In, in Rebels, he's just portrayed as, you know, doing the Empire's bidding, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just it's sort of sadistic almost too. Uh, in a way, and just uh, exploiting all your weaknesses to yep. dominate you. And then when he's reintroduced in Mandalorian, he is reportedly has this magistrate under his wing somehow. She reports to him, and, and she's a tyrant. The, the one that Ahsoka overthrows and defeats, she's a tyrant subjugating these people on this world. Uh, and exploiting them, which hints that if somebody like that is reporting to Thrawn, he's also still, you know, pretty evil. But then, if you've read the books, the 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 trilogy that that Zahn did in New Canon uh, about his rise within the Empire and joining them, 
and I'm about two thirds of the way through um, Chaos Rising right now. It's the book I'm reading right now that I caught up with all the New Republic stuff or the um, the High Republic stuff I met. And he he's much more of of a good guy. Some of you're rooting for uh-huh. not not an anti-hero at all, just a straight up kind of hero in this newest book and in um in the first trilogy in the new canon he's a much more nuanced character as well not uh-huh. this pure evil he has these competing um motivations between his his native people and what's best for them and how that interacts with the galaxy of of the republic and the empire and the new republic and and so on uh so i'm going to lean towards he's going to be more evil because that's what we've seen on screen primarily. Yeah. Uh, but if, if Filoni and, you know, pulls from the, the Zon books more, uh, it's going to be more nuanced. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him take like a, Oh, we worked out our differences yeah. in, in the purgatory. And now we're going to team up <laughs> on something sort of thing. Yeah. You're right. He's a complicated character and he loves his people. He'll do anything for them. And he tends to find someone in these circumstances and tends to try to build them up and build their strengths. And I, I just, I sense a, a, an attachment and a, a fascination with Ezra. And I'm wondering if, if they're going to kind of build on that more and, and whether they team up or something to get out of their circumstances. I don't know, but I just, I feel like if they realize, you know, that there's another threat out there or that the emperor, you know, is, is doing whatever. Maybe, maybe Thrawn could have a change of heart. I don't know. It's, it's what was he directly? Did we learn in the Mandalorian that she directly reported to him or that just, she was, she was a shipbuilder and she may have known his whereabouts. Was, was that, did we, did they say that she directly reported to him at that time? I don't remember. Can I just, where is he? Rob, I think you're muted. What if Zahn, or not Zahn, what if Ezra was changed by Thrawn? What if Thrawn, during that purgatory, or that whole thing, what if he just had time with Ezra, and he was able to change Ezra? Not from the Ezra that we did, but just to show that, hey, no matter what you do, there's always going to just be this. So just go that. I, I know it's not what we want for Ezra. I just, for some reason, wanted to bring that up because... We have to think about what if Ezra changed? What if he did? What if what if he decides to go, you know what, Thrawn? I'm in with, with this with you. Do you seem to be somebody that works hard and seems to have to fight for everything that you want to do? But I've been the same way my entire life, and these people around us seem to just not care because, again, this goes back to everything just being called the Skywalker saga. So that... That tends to generate some salty people, some salty things. I, I just wanted to throw that in there with that. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's there's definitely similarities there. I think obviously the emperor was really using both of them. You know, there's you know for you know Thrawn, he he could navigate you know some of the unknown regions and and, and all this stuff. But then you know with Ezra, I mean, he was opening freaking portals that that Palpatine wanted access to. So they they definitely both have been kind of you know I don't know if, you know burned by Palpatine is the right word, but they they both have had similar experiences, and I think that's that's definitely definitely worth mentioning. And maybe they see those similarities in each other, and you know they. You, 
I don't know. There's how many stories are there out there of two people that don't necessarily see eye to eye and they, you know, they, they're in a put in a precarious situation and they end up maybe not even becoming friends, but they, you know, need each other to get out of those circumstances and maybe a bond is formed and who the hell knows? Maybe they stumble upon Exegol and they run into Darth Vader and it's just like, holy shit, this is getting out of hand. What is going on? Now there's two of them. No, I don't think that's what they're going to say, no, but there are two of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael, to try to answer your question, she, she does refer to him as you know, Ahsoka's asking the magistrate for the whereabouts of Thrawn, and she, she refers to him as the magistrate's master. Master, okay. So it sounds like she's under his command in some way. Well, maybe that's like old information, right? Because she, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it could just, I mean, who, like, I feel like Ahsoka's kind of grasping at straws, right, to like try to locate Thrawn because it's like, God, I mean, she'd have to go into some uncharted territory to try to get some information into his whereabouts or where he even was before all this went down. Um, yeah, that's just, that's crazy. Nettie, what, what do you think, man? I, I mean, do we want Thrawn to be a good guy? It's hard to like hate him. And like Luke said in the books, you know, I didn't necessarily enjoy chaos rising that much. I, I think I enjoyed the, the first three books of the new canon trilogy more than I've enjoyed this one, but uh, you, you can't help but root for the guy. He's just trying to save his people against unknown threats. And, and, and I mean, I kind of feel like it's, it, he's, he's due to be a good guy on film. I feel like, I feel like, you know, we can do that. Right. Yeah. Say Thrawn's probably my favorite. I guess I don't want to say how to vote the non-movie character right now. So I've thought about this a lot, actually. And, um, I think to try and get to what I thought about, I have to drop a few spoilers for the, not the original Thrawn trilogy, the original canon Thrawn trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um, So if anybody hasn't read that, skip this part of the podcast. (laughs) But there's a couple of things that are mentioned in that, and it's the just know about the Force in a way. For some reason, it leaves them. We don't know exactly how it works because it seems like people grow out of their ability to use it, but they know about it. Yeah. Um, They call it Third Side, I think is what they call it. Yep. and the just ascendancy during the time of the Empire and when Thrawn is with um, the Empire and everything is basically at war with this unknown group called the Grisks. And from what I can tell, they kind of scare the shit out of Thrawn. Yeah. Like, there's a, I think there's a moment in the first Thrawn book of that new trilogy where somebody's basically like, why are you serving the Empire? Can't you tell that they're evil? And he basically says, there's worse evils out yes. there. Yes. And... You know, maybe he's making excuses and all of that. And I, I do think Thrawn's kind of serving the Empire because they're the powerhouse of the, the core of the galaxy. But at the same time, it seems like those Grist freak him out. Mm-hmm. And I think there's even a throwaway line somewhere in there that, like, Darth Vader even agrees they're a threat. They're just not at the edge of the galaxy, so he doesn't really care about them yet. Yeah. But the point is, I think those are um, a big threat out there. And we don't really know where they came from. I think we're getting some of that with the Ascendancy trilogy. I think that's where that's headed. Mm -hmm. But also spoilers, we don't really see them end either in that Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what happens, but they like defeat a good group of them. But from the sounds of it, there's like millions of them out there. So I've kind of had this headcanon that maybe Thrawn and Ezra end up at the Ascendancy and they, Ezra sees this threat and sees how serious it is and starts walking with the ascendancy to defeat them and walking as a Skywalker with his force abilities, this third sight to help them fight this unknown foe 
and I have no reason to believe that. That's just kind of all headcanon, but mm. if we go down that right, it is kind of a Thrawn being a good guy on screen, and I think it's interesting, too, because there were moments in the Thrawn trilogies, too, that, like, you can still kind of see he's kind of a he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Like, there's a moment where, like, somebody, like, brings up the slaves of the Empire, and he's just kind of like, it's the Empire's property, or it's the Empire's thing, and... Like, he's definitely painted in a good light, and, like, you empathize with him so much. But at the same time, you know he's not exactly, like, the shining hero that you need to look up to. So I think if they can capture some of that, I think it could be really interesting. You're absolutely right. And that his his priority, now that we're talking about this more, I mean, it feels like Thrawn's priority, if he's thrust into a situation where God knows what, is going to be to return to his people. You know, especially if there is other stuff going on out there. So I love the idea of Ezra Bridger and maybe Eli Vanto. You know, they got just a trio going out there and just, you know, saving the chiss. I, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I love the idea of maybe they, we, maybe, maybe they're not doing their own thing. We never find Thrawn, but it's him and Ezra, you know, and, and maybe Ezra doesn't decide to leave. I, I don't know. Maybe Ezra has opened up and said, there's more than this known world that I live in, right? That I can I can be useful elsewhere. I don't know, man, because that's there. There was that's what kind of that's that's what he saw in Eli, right? When hey, there's there's more than just this, you know, kind of trivial life. This this officer, you know, job you got going on. There's well, there's opportunity elsewhere. Um, I mean, what does what what what, what does Ezra goes back in time and changes something that he couldn't. Right Good. back then. What if, cho- if he chooses at that moment with, you know, Ezra and goes back and changes? And if they're going to be patties or something like that, why not go back and change something that would be so demanding? Maybe that's why he's thrust into that, you know, that role that Ahsoka's, you know, looking at and things like that. I don't know. It was just something that popped into my head. I just want to throw it out there. Are you telling me that Ezra Bridger could go? To the world between yeah. worlds and undo the sequel trilogy is that is that on the table? I, I, he could, but I don't think like talking about Thrawn. I don't think Thrawn would do that. I think Thrawn would be more capable about going back and saving his people and making them more, you know, proficient, making them better at what they could do. Like I, that's the angle I was going at. Now going back and changing the prequels, I don't think that that can happen at all because then that would mean that Ezra. And Cal and Vader, which have you know, we already know all these meetings have happened. That's where you would put that, but at least what I'm thinking. But I just wanted to throw that in there is like, what if they went back that? But now you just made me think about that too. So, well, I don't and, know. and the thing is, like with <laughs> with the Chiss, I, I I don't know about you guys, but when I was reading Chaos Walking. Uh, Chaos Walking. That movie hasn't come out yet. Chaos Rising. There's really surprising moments about the Chiss and just like how, I don't know how inferior they are to the Republic, but there's one key moment where you find like they don't even have like shields (laughs) on their ships and they get this technology from the Republic and they're like, this is amazing. It's like, what? The Chiss were supposed to be these like, epic people and they if the republic were to come and fight them they'd be screwed so i i found that fascinating and maybe maybe thrawn is talking about the republic when he says there's a there's a threat that's it's you know bigger than the, these rebels 
it's the Empire, and I'm I'm going to gain access. I mean, I think that's originally when we read, you know, Thrawn's um, the new canon trilogy uh, that Timothy Zahn wrote. That was kind of the idea, right? That Thrawn is inserting himself into this this uh, Empire to better understand it uh, because it could be a threat, and 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 that was kind of his mission. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I was kind of blown away by that. So Thrawn may have a lot to learn. I don't know, but may, yeah, don't let him get into that freaking world between worlds portal. Um, cause I, 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 and how much access to that does Ezra Bridger have, if any, anymore? I mean, does he, is he the gatekeeper? I don't know. Yeah. About that, we we think he's the gatekeeper. We've talked about like how he might have been not the chosen one, but the chosen one to be the gatekeeper. Which that's a big responsibility. That's when I brought up the whole thing with uh, Mortal Kombat and the newest one and the Timekeeper and things like that. When that whole episode, uh, quite a few casual councils ago, maybe four or five, we were talking about like the whole timekeeping thing. That takes a certain responsibility. So again, it comes back to what responsibilities what rights do you want to make or what wrongs do you want to make right and And you know about here's here's the thing i love about what you said uh, talking about responsibility rob and i know we're going to 20 different tangents here um but there's a there's a there's a um i don't know if it's a young adult novel it's called force collector wasn't that you know it was it wasn't you know a jaw-dropping story like this this kid has force abilities and you're like oh my god he's gonna become a jedi and we always say that we're always like this it's almost like we're giving them a destiny you have force abilities you're gonna become a jedi this kid spoiler alert um ended up realizing that that wasn't really his calling that his calling was to literally collect things of the force and almost become kind of like a librarian of the history of them so people could learn from that. And it's like, what if Ezra's purpose is different than becoming a... I want to see something like that, right? Like, it's kind of like the Avengers. Like, Doctor Strange has got this freaking time stone. He's like, I am the protector of alternate realities. Like, that's my shit. Spider-Man, you do Brooklyn. Like, whatever you got to... Like, this is my shit. I kind of want that because I feel like we pigeonhole Force users. and Well, you got to have a lightsaber. You gotta. You have to fight the Sith. Like it's like, it has to be more complex than that, and a little more complicated. And such a simple story. I loved it because it was different. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, this guy is collecting information so he can learn from the past. And obviously, the Jedi didn't do enough of that. Um, and their failures are, you know, you could list them out. But I just love that it was different. And so maybe. Maybe Ezra Bridger doesn't have to become some epic Jedi. Maybe his his maybe he is the gatekeeper of the world between worlds. I don't know. Um, Are we ever gonna nice sorting hat? Maybe, like, oh, right? Book going to the library. Yeah, like, you're in House Skywalker. You're in House Watto. Like I don't like money. Like the Jedi have to have like you know like accounting guys, right? Like who's doing the books? <laughs> Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I want CPA. I got you. <laughs> Nettie's is a good lead that house. So it's just, it was such a simple story and there was no aha moments. So I was just like, man, that felt nice. Like, look at someone who just decided, you know, that's just not for me. Like it's in my lineage. Like there were Jedi in my family, but like, that's just not for me, man. I, I can do more good doing this. And I don't think, I don't think we see enough of that. Like, like even like Finn. Like, everyone's like, fence force sets of, give him a lightsaber. It's like, 
maybe there's something else Finn could do. I I don't know. It's just I feel like sometimes we just kind of we just kind of pigeonhole people to be be Jedi's. Maybe they don't want to be Jedi's. I don't know. Rob, you might be muted. I don't know if you had something to say. No, no. I I was just saying. There you go. Like that's that's what it is. Like their whole thing. Like sometimes, like we already know. Like Cal. I don't want to keep bringing him up, but like Cal, you he he fought with the lightsaber but he was more about trying to find out like the origins like that whole story with him mm-hmm. he was more about like going to the temples and then reliving those things and then you get a you know a brief passing to the order 66 yeah and thing and then just going back i, I mean I, i'm not trying to call us out trying to slam all beers and stuff some people and some entities don't use lightsabers yeah it's maybe that really is it's the weapon of things from the past like to do something with the force is to become with it to become more powerful than you've ever been and to understand where it wants you because not everybody's a warrior like you were just getting at not everybody's an archer not everybody's a sorcerer leia leia walked away in canon leia walked away from her lightsaber to be diplomatic and she did the same thing in the eu but she used her lightsaber and when you guys you're all talking about two things that happen that always don't happen uh it's leia and han solo leia and han solo literally always got themselves out of every single situation because of themselves whether it be leia saving his ass because there was plenty of times and, and, and this is the fate series so he was like, I heard that lightsaber light, and I knew who it was. <laughs> I was so in my glory. I was like, yes! And at the same time, there was times that Consolo showed up to save the damn day. And that some that's just your calling, bringing up Finn, saying that he was more of a blaster rather than a swinger. He had that lightsaber. It wasn't his thing. He was always a gunner. I mean, I didn't know swingers were an option. I, I, may, I get this uh, swinging Jedi. Maybe that that led to their downfall. No I attachments. I mean, that was one of the things of the Jedi Code, right? So, yeah, that could be we, definitely could be. We've done a great job of sort of uh, the, a lot of the background of Thrawn and and Nettie, given the great stuff about the Gris and Michael. You talking about the exiling. Uh, uh, from the just ascendancy, at least we think that at first, and then it's really he's trying to infiltrate and understand the Empire more. But that what they've done is such a good job of is making these shows pretty accessible. Like I had to, I'm kind of curious what everyone thinks about this being consumers of both Marvel and Star Wars, which I'm not. I I asked some friends recently, you know, how from what I know, everyone found The Mandalorian very accessible, and one of its biggest successes is that it's successful. Or it's accessible to a broad audience, and it gives the sweaties like us all these great, great connections and characters that we love come in. And I asked, you know, some people, you know, I know WandaVision is doing well, but I, I, I asked some people who knew better, is it as accessible to more casual fans who aren't as well-versed in everything Marvel as The Mandalorian was to casual Star Wars fans? And what I've heard from several people is it's, it's not. You have to be a little more sweaty in the MCU to get as much enjoyment out of WandaVision. So I'm kind of curious of the panel if they think that's true. And then that affects, if they're really trying to stick to that accessibility and broader enjoyment, I think that limits a lot of what they'll pull from the the books for Thrawn. And that's, again, sort of reinforces to me the idea that um, 
it, his character will reflect more what we've seen on, on the shows. Yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah, Scotty. Well, I was going to say you're not wrong at all. Like, uh, going forward, Star Wars is going to have to be very careful. Like, like I said, they either need to double down on this Thrawn stuff and the books that you guys have read. Like, they really need to dive into that. And, like, when we come out on the other end, Thrawn's there. He knows exactly where to go. He knows where the Grisk are. He knows where the enemy is. But I'm like, uh, I wanted to t- touch on that, too, and then he was talking about it, that greater evils in the universe. Like, we've only really seen the core galaxy. I think even in High Republic, and I haven't, like, read throughout all of it, but, like, only people I know of that have ventured into the unknown regions now are, like, Rey, Ezra, mm-hmm. Uh, Vader if he ends up on Exegol but like no one's really going out into the unknown regions so Star Wars has that kind of like leniency now where that can be the new stuff they talk about and I hope that kind of like the Nile are a hint at like what the Grisk can be like uh, and just the little bit I know about Martian Rowe and the guy who's like leading the, the force and what he like the knowledge he has of the Jedi and how to tame tame them for a lack of a better word I don't want to give away too many spoilers but like guys like that that are out in the universe like those are the people I want to meet the people that know about the force like more than the Jedi know about the force and they're thinking 10 steps ahead of the Jedi like I don't know that'd be cool I'll I'll tell you this Luke I won't I'm not gonna spoil anything for Nettie because he hasn't seen this last episode but I I've seen most almost all of the Marvel properties Holly has not, but what I'm going to tell you right now, WandaVision is a game changer for Marvel because the writing is so good. The writing blows the Mandalorian out of the water. Like it just does. Like it, it's just, I mean, one of my favorite episodes of Mandalorian is the one with Bill Burr and his entire kind of, you know, transformation kind of as a person. I, I thought that was solid writing, but the writing in this show is so good. They have they have a foundation to go on in the comics, and that's that's when I know it's good. Is because right when the episode ends, Holly and I are looking up on the Marvel site all these little nuggets of information that they're pulling from. But the writing a relatable story more so than um, you know Grogu and and Den's relationship. I mean. WandaVision is about grief <laughs> and you do kind of, you know, generally you, you need to know um, the Avengers and kind of what's happened between these two characters. But ultimately the story of grief is just so relatable and so uh, it's, it's different from other stories of grief in these in these stories, I guess I should say, in these comic book movies, it's just a completely different take on it, and the writing is so good. I, I just, I feel like, honestly, I love The Mandalorian, but WandaVision's writing is blowing it out of the water. Like, the story they're telling is is so compact. It's within, what, eight days or something, this entire story is? It's like, this is amazing. And they're filling in a little void of something I never knew I needed. The Mandalorian, I don't think I absolutely needed that story. When I'm looking at some character like Scarlet Witch, who doesn't have a lot of prevalence in in Marvel and in, in their big products, right? Their big merchandising, and even Vision, Vision and her aren't you know very well known characters, but boy, are they making them relatable? And boy, when you know you see something happen to Vision, you feel it. 
Um, and a lot of that's, you know, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen is, we don't deserve Elizabeth Olsen in this world. She's amazing. Um, it, it's just, it's such good writing. Um, and I, and I know it because we're, Holly's fully invested into that show and knows nothing about what's going on. It's just, it's, it's, it's so fascinating. I, I would be interested, Luke, if you were just like, you know, I'm going to pick up WandaVision. We're going to see, and then just get a little bits of information about Avengers. And I think, I think it's something you would enjoy. I think a lot of people would. I might be in the minority there. Um, Ned, you haven't finished, you know, this last episode, but like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I think I'm kind of in the middle between you, you and Luke's point. I think um, like the overall themes and messaging, like what you said, is definitely relatable no matter what. And they have done such a good job with the characters that I think anybody can pull that. Um, but I do, I do think some people would have a little bit of trouble having not seen anything with Avengers or any of the other MCU. Yeah. Just because there are so many references. And I mean... I, I love the MCU. I'm not really into the Marvel comics specifically, so, like, they're dropping things that, like, I don't have any idea where this is going to be leading, yeah. which is part of the fun for me because I know I don't know what they're going to do, and yeah. it surprises me. But um, I think I think def- somebody definitely could be a little bit more lost than they could be in something like The Mandalorian. But I think, like you said, like that message of grief and how to deal with it is definitely something that anybody could latch on to. Though I will say the Mandalorian has its own grief. I mean, come Definitely. on, we got grief cargo. <laughs> it's so true. You're absolutely right. And you're right. It, it's just, I, I love what they did in the Mandalorian. I really do. And there is a lot of relatable stuff in there. And we've talked about that extensively on the podcast. I just, I could not believe the depths that we went in such a short series of WandaVision. Um, even if you don't understand the powers that are, you know, being used and, and, and where they're coming from. It's just, there's way more depth to it to me, I, I think. And, and every episode has just pulled me in deeper and that didn't always happen on the Mandalorian. There was episodes I was like, Ugh, I don't, where are we going? Like uh, Din was walking for 20 minutes in the desert and then a ship broke down again. And now we're fixing it again on another planet. Like that's, that's never happened. And, and, and seven or eight, eight episodes, I guess of WandaVision, I cannot believe it. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be curious to, to hear from more people about that. And, and, but they're doing the same thing that star Wars is doing, right? They're trying to hook people into saying, Hey, check out our other properties. You think this is badass? What Wanda's doing? You have no idea what Thanos is doing. You have no idea, uh, what, what's, what, what vision is capable of. We have no, like, check out this other stuff. You don't even have to visit our comic books. Um, just check out other products here because we're going to be making an entire new, like they're setting up for a new whole universe. Um, and so those legacy characters, yeah, are important, but they're not really going to matter anymore. We've got a new age of characters and a multiverse that here's your introduction to it. We're going to mess with your minds a little bit. Um, but there's some moments just like with Bo-Katan, you're like, is that Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar? Like, it, like who is this dude that shows up on Wanda's doorstep? I, why does this feel important? Let me look this up. So there's definitely some of those similar moments where you do have to be a little invested in it to kind of know specifically what's going on. But they're, they're kind of opening a door to a whole new universe. And, and it seems very similar to what, to what, uh, to what Star Wars is doing, especially with the Mandalorian, it just doesn't feel so much like an introduction. 
because I'm so invested in these two characters and it really is their story and their love story. When with Din, I am, but I'm going to, I'm going to make a bold statement right now, guys. This is bold. Honestly, (laughs) we could not have a third season of the Mandalorian and I would be okay with it. I I just, it kind of ended for me and what's that? As long as Grogu shows up somewhere else, <laughs> is he going to be a 900-year-old species that we only see for two years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah there's, well. there's, definitely some, there's definitely some loose ends I think they can tie up. And, yeah, there's this whole interesting story. But I'm just saying, like, if it just went off the air, I think I would still feel okay about it. Um, but maybe they'll blow me away and I'll be like, that was stupid, Michael. They had all this other story to tell. I don't know. I don't know. Rob? I just want to say, this sounds all great if they keep writing these two galaxies, these two universes together, but when you were talking about the multi-universe, we all know what if they brought Jedi into the Marvel universe? What if (laughs) that transition happened? Because it would make sense with, like, Kurt Russell's character in, you know... He was a celestial. So we have celestials. We know they exist. We know people like other like other civilizations like Thanos civilization. It existed. We know that, you know, Thor's civilization, they existed. Everybody exists. They have their own thing. I'm not saying they're going to bring it together, but I could see it bring it together. I'm not going to see, you know... Uh, going forward, we're not going to see the Falcon and the Winter Soldier fighting Thrawn, <laughs> but at the same time, there's that power aspect too. And I see similar writing on both sides, so for me, I think the similar writing is going to where they want to go for the future. Disney, aka, yeah. you know what I'm saying, is that they want to make the the people more relatable. We want to make people relatable. Let's make WandaVision. Let's make people more relatable. Let's learn about Bucky. Let's learn about the Falcon. Let's make people more relatable. So let's have the High Republic. Let's have, you know, the Acolyte. Let's have Andor. Let's have... Everybody has a story going forward. I'm not saying they're going to connect through the multiverse, but whatever they do, I'm on board. Rob, I, I I'd love it, but I think I think Feige just shot that down though, as of like a couple weeks yeah, ago. I think right, Scotty. He, he said yeah. somebody asked, and I think he said that's not going to happen. But what if <laughs> what if Ezra Bridger goes to the portal and he's just you know there's Thanos getting ready to get that last stone. He's like, oh hell no, like and just you know, oh. I, I don't know, it, it, who knows? But that would be crazy. That 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 may be like a comic series. They tend to, I mean, they throw Power Rangers in with the freaking Ninja Turtles and shit all the time. So that <laughs> that stuff's gonna happen. Uh, but maybe maybe not in Disney Plus. I think they'll probably try to to bleed those two franchises dry <laughs> as much as they can. Um, I, I, Luke, I think that's a fascinating discussion. I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see these two franchises kind of kick things off. Like, I mean, I, Marvel has on Netflix, but that stuff wasn't as successful as these new shows are going to be on Disney Plus. It'll it'll be really interesting. They're on the same platform, the same accessibility. Like, are they both going to be successful in really expanding their universe and and trying to win over new fans? It's 
like Rob said, I'm here for it. I, I, I think WandaVision completely captivated me. I'm like, what's next, man? Like, what, yeah, what think, what's next? I think WandaVision, if nothing else, because of its accessibility and the fact that it's such a small, contained story with super heavy, heavy moments. Yeah. Like, that's what casual fans want. Like, and some of them, some of our favorite moments as like sweaties are some of the heaviest yeah. moments. Yep. For instance, the Vader comic, when he just is meditating and sees Obi-Wan catching flame and he's about to say, I love you. Mm. And then he dusts away. Like mm. they're soap operas, bro. Like yeah. your girlfriends should be watching. Your grandparents should be watching. Like, that's right. I, I don't know. I feel like on the show, like the TV aspect, um, I wanted to touch back on what you guys were saying about like all these shows and Andor, like the phrase where you said, I've been in this fight since six years old. Like, mm. all right, show me, show me, yeah. like show me why this guy cares so much. So if it's, a male, if it's a male soap opera, who's the macho man? I mean, I, is Randy Savage even alive? I have no idea. It's been a long time since I've watched any WWE. It's Solo Man, dig it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. Um, I mean, every Friday, that's that's just what it's just like the Mandalorian. But you know, you got to watch out for spoilers. There's there's a lot of a lot of good stuff out there. So I, I don't know. I'm 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 looking forward to all of it. Uh, no, Flying Casual is not going to become uh, an MCU podcast. Well. I'll never say never. Yeah, midnight on the Pacific Coast because I can't get up at 3 a.m. every Friday for the next for all of the Fridays until I die. Like I can't. Yeah, I'm just waiting for them to just say, you know what? Like it's now going to be Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Like so, everyone's got a shot to like you know like just watch the damn thing after work. Like that would be normal. Wake up. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of inconsiderate people. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I, this is crazy. I cannot believe we kind of took this conversation in that direction. I freaking love it. Um, I could talk about this crap all night. Is there anything else you guys got on that? No, I mean that was what a awesome conversation. Yeah, it was it was unexpected. I mean, we were kind of everywhere, and and that's what happens. Uh, so who knows? Maybe flying casual expand and start talking about Marvel. I don't know. Luke's got a lot of catching up to do then. We're going to have to really, I mean, he's got to dedicate weeks and weeks to to MCU products. But, uh, it actually yeah. might be hilarious if you get Luke, who is unknowledgeable at all, just asking you questions about, like, the most basic things. It like seems that. like a segment, yeah. Like, I think, Luke, I think this could be something that we do. It's just... Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if there's a Wanda in WandaVision. I've heard Scarlet Witch, Vision. <laughs> Where's the Wanda? It, Wanda is Scarlet Witch. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it's it's a complicated kind of, I mean, not really, because they, they never even say Scarlet Witch turn the uh, in the show. Yeah, yeah, it may have snuck it in there. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, that might not be a bad idea. I don't know. I, there's so many things I want to talk about. Uh, so one day, who knows, maybe we'll have something where we could just shoot the shit about anything we want. But right now, it's Star Wars, and I still love it. Um, I just, you know, there's other stuff out there, too. And, and it'll be interesting to see how these two properties under the same umbrella are going to kind of take this. And uh, there's a lot to look forward to with Star Wars, so we're going to be talking about it, um, and I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, guys, 
I think that'll do it for us because we have been going on a solid hour and a half now. Um, our council has uh, grown. Our council, we've lost some people. We've, we've grown. Um, Brent never made it back, but I want to thank Brent for coming back, uh, coming on the show for at least 10 minutes. I think he got some thoughts out, but who knows? Maybe he's got more he needs to talk about. Maybe he wants to talk about WandaVision at some point too, but we'll, we'll get those thoughts at some point, but I do appreciate, appreciate these guys being here. Um, we are going to have a very fascinating podcast here. Um, upcoming actually i don't even know what the release order is going to be i'm not going to tease it much but Nettie has an amazing theory that we're going to talk about on the podcast um a, a really solid email that he sent us a really awesome discussion to be had so looking forward to that um but by this time you've probably already heard it so you already know about it so appreciate you guys listening uh take care of yourselves out there and may the force be with you always <laughs>